Episode 233 of The Art of Living Proactively. And in this episode, paediatrician and life coach Sheila Carroll discusses helping parents improve their children's health through lifestyle changes rather than focusing on weight loss. She talks about the common health issues seen in children today, like obesity, anxiety, and depression, and how things like poor nutrition, lack of sleep and exercise, and excessive technology use contribute. She recommends eliminating sugary drinks, reducing ultra-processed foods, and making simple changes like improving sleep habits. And she talks about the importance of parents leading by example, and says children cannot successfully make health changes on their own. So that's some of the things that we discuss in this episode. There's a lot more as well. So if you do enjoy this episode, please do subscribe. Leave us a review on the App Store, either the Apple one or the Google one. That would really be helpful for more people finding out about the show. Hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to another edition of The Art of Living Proactively. My guest today is Sheila Carroll, and we're in Maine, aren't we? Yep, I live up in Maine, which is about two hours north of Boston and, uh, and about five hours north of New York City in the U.S. So, so what is a, a native from Maine called? A Mainian or what? Well, Mainer is like a, Mainer. a, a Okay. Some people are call us maniacs, um, yeah. but we use the term Mainer, like a native Mainer, which I, I am, think... born and raised here. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with, a few years ago in England, we had a whole thing about leaving the EU, that Brexit, and yes. there were there were two opposing sides. There was the Brexiteers and the Remainers, so it sounds like... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, Sheena, I know that you're helping sort of children and um, with weight loss and your, your life college as well. Maybe tell us a little bit more about what you do. Sure. I am... Well, I'm a board-certified pediatrician and an obesity medicine physician. And about, I don't know, a few years ago now, I um, became a certified life coach. And I currently work helping parents of kids. So I'm a pediatrician and I spent, you know, 20 plus years, like just dealing with sick children. I usually work in the hospital, to tell you the truth. So when kids are sick enough to be in the hospital... But the last few years of my career, I worked in in a clinic, in an office, and I was seeing a lot of kids and families struggling with lifestyle disease, lifestyle problems, really, I guess I would say. One would be uh, carrying extra weight, um, you know, lots of anxiety, um, some uh, depression, poor school performance, like just uh, poor poor nutrition, not getting enough exercise. So I was seeing this and how the children were suffering, number one, but also how their parents were were struggling. Um, and I decided to try to, a new approach. I still want to help the children, but I'm doing that by focusing on uh, exclusively on helping the parents. So I help the parents, I, you know, kind of coach them, educate them, empower them to set up the healthy lifestyle for themselves first so that they can be the role model that they're, that they want their children to have. And so is it a case of where children are suffering or have obesity that the parents often do as well or not? 
sometimes, but not always. Um, you know, we, it, we don't know exactly what makes one person more prone to gaining weight easily than someone else. Mm. You know, for example, myself, I'm one of five kids and I was an overweight, I became an overweight child when I was around 10 years old, but two of my siblings never struggled at all. And we all ate the same food. <laughs> so, you know, I think over time I ended up eating more than them because the way that extra weight or extra, um, you know, fat tissue, adipose tissue, the way that works, it actually makes you hungrier. So that's part of the, that's part of the issue for people. But, um, so we don't know, you know, why some people gain weight more easily than other people. Um, so sometimes kids who are struggling have parents who are also struggling. Um, and sometimes the parents aren't struggling, uh, with weight, even though they're eating the same food as their child. So it, it's, it could be either way. So for parents who, maybe aren't struggling with weight issues and their children are, would it be much more confusing to them? Why is this happening to my child when, when we're not? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And there's usually some, you know, kind of obvious things that we can look at right away. You know, I look at four big areas, nutrition, um, sleep, um, movement or exercise and then uh, emotional regulation skills and basically tie that to like you know emotional eating and trying to prevent things like that um so parents can help identify or you know parents can say well i wonder what my kid is not sleeping very well or he he's using the screen all the time so there's usually there's definitely places to correct the vast majority, the vast, vast majority of kids that are struggling with extra weight are doing so because of the lifestyle factors in combination with their personal biology. So there are a few like very rare genetic disorders where people uh, have, you know, are prone to gaining weight. Um, but th those are those are exceedingly rare. So this is the beauty. This is the good news. Like if parents can, help, you know, if parents can change the lifestyle that the child is living, then their child will benefit from. What was it that drew you towards this in the first place? Well, I think my personal struggle, to tell you the truth, was one thing. Um, I, like I said, I struggled as a kid. I struggled as a teenager, as, a, as an adult, off and on. Um, and it, it, it really affected my life in a lot of ways. Um, you know, deeply, deeply affected and affected how I felt about myself. Yeah. And now that I'm kind of, uh, solved the issue for myself, you know, sort of figured it out and I, and I know it's a way that can help other people. I feel so in driven or inspired or trying to get this knowledge into the hands of parents so parents can prevent their kid from ever having to go through decades of struggle or you know years and years of living in a body size that they don't want to um it, it and it's more it's it's more of a, 
than just like the size of your body or the number on the scale. What my approach is really focusing on health and like it doesn't honestly 100% matter what the number on the scale is. That's kind of a marker of some other health behaviors that you're, if, if that number is higher than it, than you want it to be or higher than a doctor is telling you it should be, it's probably because of some habits that you have that if you alter those habits, your whole health would improve. So this is the thing, like we're now knowing, we're now seeing like, you know, um, Alzheimer's disease or, you know, cognitive decline in older people and in older, in older people, it starts as when you're younger. It's Mm -hmm. not just like all of a sudden you're 60 and your brain, you know, hits the skins. It's like that's been building up over time because of things you've been doing and probably unwittingly, unknowingly. Um, So if we can teach our kids and instill in them a healthy lifestyle from the get-go, they can prevent, you know, type 2 diabetes, prevent lots of cancers are associated with extra weight. Um, And so there's just, so we really are looking at um, health and not weight. So it's not a diet. We're not putting any kid on a diet. We're not restricting. But we're looking like, okay, what what foods do we need to be eating that are going to serve your body? What about sleep? What about moving? What about learning how to manage your emotions? I guess for parents, it's so difficult because it's a real minefield with misinformation and disinformation, and the internet and in media and so on. And so it can be difficult to know which is the right advice to follow, I guess. I know, even myself, you know, I, I, even as a doctor, there are doctors who are saying plant-based is the best way to go. This is how you achieve like optimal health. There's other doctors who are saying, nope, carnivore, you know, keto, this is the way you achieve. So I agree. It's very, very confusing. Um, it can be, yeah. um, but if we let ourselves get mired down in that confusion and do nothing, yeah. I think the one thing that both both of those groups, almost every single person that you would talk to uh, would agree that highly processed foods, these ultra processed foods, the foods that have been created in the last 50 or 60 years, those are not working mm. for our bodies. We are a very ancient human body that's evolved over millions of years that food which has been created you know to sell to make money uh to keep us buying it and it tastes good it's not working for our health our mental health or our physical health and so that's the one thing i think parents you don't need to subscribe to a certain way of eating you know a certain keto or paleo or you know or whatever but if you can shift your family to more real, whole, unprocessed foods, your your health and your child's health will greatly improve dramatically. So I know, I mean, you've been a well a practicing pediatrician for more than twenty years. Yeah. So what what are the sort of common health issues you've seen in children, and how how can parents kind of proactively address those? Well. Obesity is one common, really common. I think, you know, 
the latest data, it's pre-pandemic. Um, and we know that the rates of weight gain were going up during the pandemic. Uh, but 20 to 30% of children, at least in the U.S., were uh, considered overweight or obese based on their BMI. So that's that's one issue that kids are facing. Kids are facing a lot. And then that comes along with other issues. So then you might have some, we are seeing earlier and earlier kids having liver problems. It's called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Mm. So you're eating, um, you're eating mostly foods, you know, ultra-processed foods. This doesn't happen to kids who are eating real, whole, unprocessed food. So what's happening is you're getting a big fructose load and, you know, your body is doing its best trying to help you out. Like, hey, where can I put this stuff to say, you know, it's it's coming, it's here. What do I do with it? But it might store it in your liver and that crowds out your healthy liver cells. And now you have liver disease, you know, a liver problems. Um, so we're in type 2 diabetes, pre-diabetes, um, high blood pressure, um, and we know there's uh, social and mental health effects that go along with extra weight. Kids don't feel good about themselves. They have lower self-esteem. They're more prone to anxiety and depression. Um, and so outside of that, you know, ki- you know, in my office, I was seeing a lot of kids with anxiety and depression in general, um, even kids with quote normal weight or, you know, who wouldn't be considered to be carrying extra weight. I think that's a really common health worry for parents or for kids and their parents these days. Um, yeah. So, so you mentioned about that rather than focusing on the weight, you try to focus on improving health. Yes. How easy or difficult do the kids find that? Well, here's the beauty of it. It, it, It's difficult if if you are the child and all the information's being directed at you and you're the one left to make these decisions and and changes for yourself. Mm. You know, and that's kind of what, at least here in the US, what our medical system is set up to do. People would bring their child to me who is 10 or 12, even 15, you know, and they'd be like, here's my child. He's struggling with extra weight. Talk to him. Right. And, you know, okay, I can talk to him. <laughs> but, you know, a couple things going, a couple things are wrong with that picture. You know, number one, you know, in no way at all do we ever want to make a child feel like something is wrong with them um, or create worry about themselves, you know. So um, the other thing is kids' brains um, young adults' brains are still immature until they're about 26 years old. So what we're talking about is the development of the prefrontal cortex, a part of your brain that lets you, like your podcast title talks about, live on purpose or live proactively. You need a highly functioning prefrontal cortex to make that happen. You need to be thinking a couple steps down the line, like the, your future self, you know, especially when it comes to something like uh, health, weight or health, like, okay, I, ha- I could eat these, you know, I could eat these uh, Doritos or I could eat, you know, something healthier, an egg or something if I'm hungry, you know. Oh, you know, what I say to myself is future Sheila, 
future Sheila tomorrow, future Sheila two weeks from now, she'll be happy. She ate an egg instead of the Doritos. You know, I say that to my son who's 11 and I'm like, Theo, what, what would future Theo? And he's like, mom, I don't care about future Theo. Which he doesn't because he's 11 years old. He wants what he wants in the moment. Over time, I'm going to keep talking to him about that. And, and as his brain ages and matures and he, you know, he um, goes down that road to adulthood, his brain will be able to understand. Um, but when we try to talk to kids, if someone brings their child to me in the office, okay, child, you know, less, less unhealthy food, more movement. Get yourself to bed on time. Like, no, there's just no possible way that's happening. You know, the poor kids, even if they really want it, and most kids do, and they're very sincere and they're very, like, really listening and paying attention, they can't possibly do it for themselves. And that's why parents have to do this. It's not going to be successful. I've never seen a child successfully make a change without their parents. And this is like, you know, I, even for myself, I look back at my journey and I, like I said, I was one child out of five and my mom, we just went to a regular checkup and the doctor said to my mom, you got to get her to stop eating. And, um, well, first of all, that was like really embarrassing for me. And, um, I still remember it obviously. So it left some kind of mark. Um, but. You know, we went home and we had a little pamphlet that he had given us about the calories of every food. And I was supposed to limit my calories to 1,200 calories a day as a growing 10-year-old. You know, it was crazy. But this was 50 years ago or, or 40 years ago, I guess. Um, but the thing is, and I know my parents would have would have probably done anything to help me, you know, they didn't harm me in any way. They didn't make, you know, I, they never criticized me. They never made me feel bad about it. But we never talked about it, number one. And we didn't change as a family. So my mom was, you know, stay-at-home mom, still making cookies every day, still buying all the things that I love to eat. And, and then it was left to me to just don't eat that. Right. Have willpower, you know, and as a 10 year old and moving forward, I just couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. So my message is let's even leave your child out of this. They don't need to be involved in this discussion. You and I, as the parent, will have this discussion. We'll do everything to help you, the parent, become the parent you want to be and become the role, healthy role model you want and need to be, then you will set things up in your house and in your family and in your, you know, according to your family values and your core values. And then naturally your child's health will improve because you've changed. Yeah. Two, two things come into my head when you were saying that. So one, if the parents have health issues and maybe obesity, it's going to help them anyway, help them with their own journey. But also, I mean, going back to something that I said, a question I asked you at the beginning, 
if the parents are obese and then they're hearing this advice from you, it seems to me that in some ways it's going to be easier for them to help the child because they're going through the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, you can certainly have more empathy. You know, I have some clients who who are naturally, the parents are naturally thin. Right. And they just cannot even understand. It's hard, you know. Like I, I've never been that person. <laughs> it's hard for me to understand what unnaturally thin, you know, eat whatever you wanted and you have no problem. That has just never been my struggle. Um, but it is sometimes really hard for parents to understand. And the way we've all been socialized over the past many, many years as overweight is a personal problem. There's something wrong with you. It's you're, you don't have good will. Yeah. I don't know. You know, all in those crazy crummy things and the bad, you know, the way we made people feel bad about themselves and internalize that stigma. And people are still doing it today, of course. So, um, you know, yeah. And, and kids, kids are aware of that. Kids are definitely aware. So, um, yeah, changing the parents is is their health improves, their relationship with their child improves, their relationship with themselves improves. I mean, the full thing. It's just so amazing. It's what happened to me, and it's 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 just such powerful work, and it's it's freeing. Really, it opens your life. Well, it's, it's win win win, doesn't it? Everyone wins, doesn't it? Yeah. And and so if I mean, you talked before about health rather than weight and another thing another angle that i think is better doing it that way is because some people become so fixated on numbers and weighing themselves and the additional stress they put on themselves and so on and that's that's the last thing they need isn't it a hundred percent yeah yeah and you know weight is made up of a lot of things obviously bone muscle you know, water. And so when you get yourself tied to either having a good day or a bad day based on what your scale is telling you, yeah. that's not a way to live your life, not an enjoyable way to live your life. And so, yeah, so if we're looking at the big picture and focusing on health, yeah, then you are not controlling. What you're doing is you're asking yourself, what does my body need? What would serve my body best? And then you can do that. As opposed to telling yourself, I can't eat that because it's bad for me, or I can't eat that because I'll gain weight, or, you know. And so, you know, we want people to have, we want kids especially to develop a really healthy relationship with food mm-hmm. and understand that food, you know, food isn't good or bad. Food is just like various molecules stuck together in different ways but also have the education that you know the foods that you're choosing to eat how they're affecting your body share some practical tips for parents to how to create that kind of culture sure um well my the advice i like to give is um to become the role model that you, the healthy role model in, in all those habits that we previously talked about for mm-hmm. the parent to kind of try to become that themselves. And so what do you do? You, you really need to ask yourself, you know, 
um, well, first of all, do I want this for myself? You know, because there's so many times like it's going to be really hard to make any kind of change if you're not committed to that change. You can work on getting committed to that change. And so there's, you know, that's belief work and, you know, do some of that. Um, but pra- really practical tips are, you know, well, we can even just get away from food because sometimes food is a very touchy subject. Mm. Um, although I will throw in there that most practical tip I can give parents is this should be in, in my mind, a no brainer is eliminate I mean, I would just try to eliminate it. I mean, I I hesitate to even say cut back, but like soda, you know, um, um, and and fruit juice and sugar sweetened beverages, sugar iced tea, Gatorade, all those energy sports drinks. Look at the label and see how much added sugar is are in those drinks, and that a lot of it is high fructose corn syrup, like. Um, Oh, and here's another little tip for parents is that pretty much, well, I I tend to feel like a lot of people know that high fructose corn syrup isn't healthy for us, but I don't think a lot of parents know that table sugar or that white, the white sugar you bake with, that's 50% fructose too. So high fructose corn syrup is 55% fructose. Table sugar is 50% fructose. They're the same thing. So, you know, so low hanging fruit, get rid of, get rid of, um, all those drinks and just drink water or water with lemon or seltzer, something like that. And you just said fruit juices. And that I think comes as a surprise to many people because many people still have the belief that fruit juice is healthy. Marketing. We're all been, we've all been affected by marketing. You know, the problem with fruit juice. So natural fruit, like regular fruit is wonderful and wonderful for kids. And I never tell people to limit their fruit. But if you say for orange juice, for example, or apple juice, you put that in a juicer and you all you're squeezing out is the liquid sugar. You've left the fiber behind. You've left, you know, a lot of the vitamins and minerals behind. And now you're just getting like a massive sugar load. And so fruit juice is really just liquid sugar and kids don't need it. Yes, they love it. It tastes good. That's the other thing I think parents need to understand is why, why do their kids love all these foods? Well, just like we do, you know, kids love foods with added sugars in them because our human body has evolved over the years over the millions of years to, you know, we get a dopamine hit when we get sugar that tells us, oh, this is good for us. We should do more of that. This will keep us alive. Keep doing that. So of course, kids love food with sugar. You know, that's, that's been evolutionarily, that has benefited us. That has benefited us right up until about 50 years ago <laughs> when the companies trying, you know, is trying to make money. I don't think people started it from an evil, like, we're going to make everybody sick and overweight and metabolically unhealthy and unwell. Mm. Honestly, that has, is what it's turned into. Um, and this is the water that parents are swimming in, myself included as a mom. My son is 11, like I said. And, you know, he goes to birthday parties. He goes to baseball practice. He goes to soccer practice, you know, all of these things. And usually there's food involved 
And it's not food that I would want him to eat. It's food that's these highly processed food. Even at the school, my son's school has really unhealthy or, or really, I guess the way to put it is foods with ultra processed foods with tons and tons and tons of added sugar. And uh, so this is the water we're swimming in as parents. And also then you add in screen time and sedentary behavior. Um, and then you add in uh, lack of sleep we tend to all get. Um, well, it doesn't have to be hopeless and, it, and it's not hopeless. And it, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. So my, back to your question like 25 minutes ago about practical, practical tips. You know, I pick one thing, you know, start with one thing and it can be a small thing. So, you know, soda, for example, or, you know, say your child is not getting the recommended amount of sleep. There's really, um, there's guidelines on based on the age of your child, how many hours of sleep. So if you have a 10 year old child, I think I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it's somewhere between 10 and 12 hours of a night of sleep. But if for some reason, your child is getting seven hours of sleep. Okay. Now a parent can think, what, what do I need to do to assure that he's getting this amount of sleep? And the first step to that to me is education. Why is sleep important for a child? Mm. What is, what is the lack of sleep? What is the problem that's creating for him? Yeah. And when parents understand why these healthy habits are so important, that to me, that's like motivation to actually do it. You, you commented on the um, on the title of the podcast before, so so two questions about the title. So then the full title is the art of living proactively, harnessing the power of your choices. So what what does proactive mean to you around health, and also what does what what do you think of when 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 thinking about harnessing the power of your choices? Yeah, I love that. And like we were talking before we started recording about the power of that. And that that was life changing for me. And I found that I kind of came across that message through coaching, life coaching. Um, but proactive means, you know, cut to me, it's like, okay, thinking in advance, thinking on purpose, how do I want to, what do I want to do? And you know, and and so here's there's a, a life coaching tool um, in a and a it's a cognitive behavioral therapy model, the think, feel, act cycle. Are you familiar with that? And so you know, we have a thought that creates a feeling, and then from our feelings, we do or don't do things. So that's our actions. Um, and what we all, well, at least I'll just speak for myself, what I really wasn't fully aware of, even, you know, as an adult was that a lot of my thoughts are optional and I can choose my thoughts on purpose. So, you know, the neuroscientists say we have about 60,000 or more thoughts per day kind of zipping along through our brains. And not every one of those thoughts is, well, number one, correct or helpful for us. Yeah. So when you learn to get a little bit of distance and create a little bit of awareness about what you're currently thinking and the results that that, that thinking 
is creating in your life, then you can decide on purpose, proactively, do I want to keep that thought or or would it benefit me to shift that thought or change that thought um, and, and get to a new thought that's going to give me the feeling that I want, that's going to give me the results I want, you know, or give me the actions I want that are going to give me the results. So that's the harnessing the power of your mind kind of thing, you know, and parents can do that. For me, you know, like I say, how do I want on purpose? Like, how do I want to be thinking about, well, number one, thinking about myself as a parent. What are the thoughts I want to have about myself? I want to have thoughts that I'm doing the best that I can. I'm committed to my son. I'm committed to his health. You know, whatever you, and you, this is very individual, but this is, this is the work of coaching. Um, and then you can do the same thing with, food and thinking on purpose like what foods do we want to eat um and and certainly exercise and sleep all all of the things i mean your whole life your job your relationship how do i want to feel about my partner how do i want to feel about my child and then you go back and you figure out the thoughts you need to have so that you feel how you want to feel about your the person you're talking about it's so freeing and amazing (laughs) As, as a coach, I mean, what, what you just said there about, you know, we have so many thoughts and not all of them are true. We don't have to believe all of them. But I, I, it seems to me a lot of people don't realize that. So how, when you're working with someone, how do you help them to, to actually realize that? And not just, it's easy for me, it's for someone to just to hear that and then they've forgotten about it by tomorrow. How can you help someone to really remember that not all of their thoughts are true? Yeah, so you can, um, well, so it is a process and a pro, uh, yeah, process, I guess. So it's not just one thing, one time, and you're like cured of your, you know, you know, thought errors forever. You just realize like, oh, this is my brain. This is how my brain works. Okay. This is the thought I'm having. And then you can, you know, look at it. Sometimes I think of it like, you know, in the grocery store like the conveyor belts going down the line and then the person scanning, you know, your, your item. But our thoughts are kind of like that too. And you can pick up your thought and be like, even ask yourself, is this thought even true? Mm. Like, and you can poke holes in your own story about what you're telling yourself that this, this, that this thought is true, you Mm. know? Um, so that's, but it, 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 first of all, you have to have the willingness to do that. And then second of all, it takes, it takes, um, just practice and understanding like, oh, I say to myself all the time, like, I think I'm, I think that was a thought error on my part. <laughs> you know, just like, I'm like, I, I, it just came to me, but I don't think that's correct. I don't think that's, I don't think that that's correct, number one, but also like, and I don't make that mean anything bad about myself. Oh, that's just my human brain. That's yeah. just, we know that our brains are constantly, all our brains are doing is trying to keep us safe and trying to keep us as happy as possible. It, yeah. You know, and that's their job to keep us alive. Yeah, so, but here in today's world, we can actually, you know, kind of harness the power of our brain. And, you know, we have two parts, like the primitive brain and then the prefrontal cortex. So our primitive brain is trying to 
you know, keep us happy, keep us alive. And our prefrontal brain is the brain that we can harness if we choose to, if we even know that it's a possibility to achieve our goals, set our goals, achieve our goals, live the life we want. Is, is there a book that comes to mind that has really moved you for, for any reason? Well, I wouldn't be able to speak about it because I haven't reread it in so long. But while I read a book of short stories called The Interpreter of the Maladies by Jhumpa Lahiri okay. a, a while ago. And like I said, because I haven't reread it, I wouldn't be able to say. But there was something about that book that has stuck with me. It changed me when I read it. I, and I think she's just a wonderful author. Um, and most recently, and this is in line with the work that I do, the most life-changing book I've read has been called The Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Fung. And that, that shifted, that sh shifted some medical beliefs I have, some biological beliefs. I learned so much new information that's been helpful. It shifted my, it changed my whole life, actually. So. That's uh, that's a book I think anybody could read, especially if you're struggling with um, extra weight, um, and it's pretty life changing. He's got a great way of describing diabetes and the way it, yeah. and the way that insulin works in the in the blood and so on. I love the way he describes it. Well, exactly right. Yeah, and that's that's called the carbohydrate insulin model of weight, weight gain, mm -hmm. and weight loss. And, you know, when I changed the way I was eating based on trying to keep my insulin level low, I lost 40 pounds. And so um, I think that that's what's going on in our society today, just because of the food world we live in. A lot of doctors like myself, you know, we were trained in the um, calories in, calories out model, which is entirely unhelpful and is what's keeping people really stuck. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so that book, I highly recommend that book to everybody. So if people want to find out more about you, maybe to work with you, to, to get more information about the, some of the things you do, where would they go? Um, I have a website. It's my whole name, SheilaCarrollMD.com. Okay. That's probably the easiest thing, and you can email me from that website. And if you look in the show notes, we'll have all um, Sheila's um, social media handles and, and stuff, then it'll be them. So just the... the the last thing I always ask is, is there a quote that studies with you for any reason? Yes. And it's a, it's a quote by Byron Katie. I'm probably going to mess it up because I um, didn't have it written down, but it's, it's basically like, I, I wrote it. Do you have it I've written? It. When, when I argue with reality, I lose, but only a hundred percent of the time. Don't you love that quote? Yeah. And this, the reason why I love that quote, when I argue with reality, I lose, but only 100% of the time. You know, I just through life, like all of us, we go through, you know, period, you know, challenges, um, life challenges. And I found for myself, I kind of created a lot of extra, extra challenge, extra pain. Uh, on top of the normal pain that I would have had from having that experience because I was arguing with reality, you know, saying this never should have happened. It shouldn't have been like this. No, this person shouldn't do this. Da, 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 da. And, and 
when I when I read that quote and really thought about it and really kind of, you know, it's been it took me time. It takes time to think about that over and over and ask myself, in what ways am I arguing with reality and adding to my own suffering? And so I just find that quote so powerful because it's again, it's just freeing when you. So what do we do if we don't if when we stop arguing with reality? You know, we just we can accept just doesn't mean we have to love it, but at least we're not beating ourselves up or, you know, kind of hurting ourselves by continuing to, you know, argue against it. It's interesting that you say we don't didn't have to love it or we don't have to love it because there's a quote by Nietzsche. And I can't remember how to pronounce his name, but the, 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 the philosopher. And his quote is, or Amor Fati, which is love your fate or love thy fate. Yes. And he's basically saying exactly the same thing. But he says, you should love your fate, even if it's something bad. Because, yeah. well, for one, there's no point in arguing with it. It's already happened. Right. But just it's accepting whatever happens to you, even if it's something bad. Yeah. It may be bad in the present, but maybe in in the future there was a good reason for that, or it brought good things, or or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and and honestly, like maybe there's never a positive outcome, you know, or there's no, you're never able to shift it. But also, if you can just accept that and, and sit with that acceptance, at least you're not making your own suffering worse. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. And that's, I used to do that to myself all the time. I had a miscarriage and, um, and I just remember, uh, I didn't know this at the time and I'd never heard this quote. And I added so much kind of quote, dirty pain to my, the, the clean pain of losing a baby. Um, and then adding on, it's never, I just was like, refused this not. How did this happen? Why did this happen? This never should have happened. And, and I just was, it was like torture. I was torturing myself. Yeah. And I didn't know, I didn't know any better, you know? So that's the other thing I love teaching parents about is, um, some of these emotional skills. And, and so how can parents teach their kids to sit and accept these negative emotions and accept them in their body and, and deal with it? Meaning like deal with it in a healthy way or manage it. So because so much of things that we do, overeating, over scrolling on social media, over shopping, over drinking, we are essentially trying to get away from some negative emotions. And if we can teach our kids, well, first you have to learn yourself, but you you can learn how to be with your emotion, process your emotion, and... And, it, and then it just kind of flows through you and you you don't become, you know, reactive to it, especially in a way that's negative and impacts your, you and your health or your relationships in a negative way. So I love teaching parents that as well. Well, well Sheila, we have run out of time. It's been a, a pleasure. So thank you for, for your time. Not a lot. And for helping people with some, some really important issues, especially with, with children, which is, you know, obviously so important. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. Appreciate it. Next week, episode 234 with Jodie Claristenfeld. And we discuss her organization, Flourish, which provides support and resources for parents of premature babies and NICU graduates. 
After Jodie's own traumatic experience having her daughter born 12 weeks early, she recognised a lack of community and information for those parents and through Flourish, she offers peer support groups, expert advice and practical guidance to help parents navigate their child's medical needs and de developmental delays. And she advocates for securing necessary therapies and tailored education so these children can flourish. And she stresses about being proactive, thinking ahead, asking questions and putting kids in the best position to thrive at each stage. So that's, we talk about that and a lot more. That's next week's episode 234 with Jody Clariston-Field. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Please do leave us a review, subscribe, and I hope you have a magnificent week.